0: They come all the way from wherever they came. So, They ask what? Sorry, I just saw a friend. Uh, They ask not where is my king or where is the king of the world. What do they ask? Matthew chapter 2. They ask where is the king of the Jews? Where is the King of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Uh, a little awkward, because Herod was the king of the Jews at the time. Um, <laughs> but this is uh, good news for everybody, because Jesus has to be the King of the Jews that we might all be included in to this kingdom that He came to bring. And this is a story. That started long ago with Abraham. God coming to Abraham, making promises that through his seed, he will bless the whole entire world through his line. And slowly but surely, patiently, God has been marching along with humanity to bring this about. I loved Father Jamal's sermon last week, uh, talking about uh, you know, raising children and, and raising them in the faith and allowing them to question and, and, um, and just understand what in the world is going on. And it just strikes me how frustrating this can be. I mean, we all know if you're parents, you all know that, that it's much easier just to do it yourself. You know, imagine cooking, right? You're trying to, what, isn't it just much better and even more perfect if you just cook the meal yourself? But if you try to include your kids, It can get a little dicey. You tell them to put some salt in, and they go. And then they give you the look. And then you say something like, you can always add, you can never take away. You know, God patiently, 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 throughout history, walked with men, guiding them, putting up with them, to bring about this amazing blessing to the whole entire world. And at Christmas, we remember that not only did he guide them, not only did he patiently deal with them and, and, and just continue to, despite of their sin, march this story of salvation on generation after generation, but he literally became one. He literally became a man. And that's what we celebrated these past 12 days, 12 days of Christmas. And in becoming a man, in becoming a Jewish man, he became the true Israel. Succession from King David down, he is both the true Israel, the true man, and the true king. And as God had displayed this amazing love to be so patient throughout all the generations to bring about this blessing to the world, marching it down the generations, so our Lord Jesus Christ showed extravagant love beyond all measure in ultimately going to the cross that all might come in the reach of his saving embrace to remove all that separated God and man and to bring us back to God. And that's really the big scope. God wants to be with his creation and he wants to include us in that. This is not staying. And it's manifested through Jesus Christ. We all can share in the new beginning of Jesus Christ the King. Every single one of us. And that's a surprising and dumbfounding thing. That's what was blowing people's minds uh, in the early church. That this was not just for the Jews anymore. That these promises, this family of faith, these people of God, now include the Gentiles. Gentiles are essentially anybody that's just not Jewish. So everybody. I mean, here from Ephesians chapter 3 again, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Jesus Christ through the gospel. In and through Jesus, everybody is now welcomed into the kingdom, the people, the promises, the heritage, the faith that brings us back to God. And Paul was so struck by this that, like being shot out of a cannon, he was going all the way around the Mediterranean basin planting churches. And at every single church, this issue came up. These Jewish people and these Gentiles trying to come together like oil and water to be a church. I mean, you can't get more awkward than this. I mean, this is... uh, just absolutely um, unheard of in this day and age. I mean, this is like you guys just destroyed us in a war and now we have to come and commune with you and hang out with you and love each other and all this stuff. And so we see over and over again in Paul's epistles just this, this, this little thing in Christ. You guys are in Christ now. He's trying to stress that no matter the differences that separate you, you are in Christ now together. We all share in the new beginning of Jesus Christ as King. We all share in the new beginning of Christ, in the new beginning of Christ as King. And what I love about this church, it does, is we have such a strong reputation of being like that, being a welcoming community. One that will welcome people, anybody, into our, into our uh, life here. And that's a glorious thing to build off of. But the ceiling is never ending with that, right? I mean, church is, it's like an awkward eighth grade dance. I mean, it can also be as tense as like an old Western standoff. And it can be as painful as a miscarriage. We're doing this together. And we should expect even those things. And as God is bringing about his new creation and these new beginnings within us, we're doing this together, we're sharing life together, and it can get dicey. It can get complicated, it can get awkward, it can get painful. But we come together in Christ, because we're in Christ. And this is all really epitomized in the mystery that we share every single week here at the table, right? The mystery where we come together, and in a special way, commune with Christ himself. This this word mystery is just simply something that's hidden, that's now revealed. And it's through this table that we remember the, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we offer ourselves as sacrifices in response. We do so with thanksgiving and with joy. That word mystery in Greek, mysterion, was translated in Latin to uh, sacramentorum, which was sort of a military term, which meant this is sort of what the soldiers would take when they took the oath of office. They, they would uh, take this oath and essentially give their life to the, to the army. And it's an interesting juxtaposition with these Greek-speaking people and these Latin speakers coming together and trying to understand this faith, this new beginning, and it's just this idea that the two sacraments that we have are sort of these oaths that we now have access into the mystery of God—baptism and the Lord's table, Holy Communion—we sort of take this oath, this sacrament, to come and and celebrate in this mystery together. It's holy. And we're connected to one another, to God, and and to even saints that have gone before us. And so together we share and rejoice in the new beginnings of Jesus Christ. What an amazing message that, you know, just to hear, you belong. You know, in so many ways, Christ is showing us, you you belong here. You belong here. You belong here. God wants us here. That same love that drove him to just patiently deal with these stiff-necked people is the same love that he has for all of us. That we will be a knit-together community. A welcoming, loving, inviting community. Not always affirming. Because again, we're working this out together. This new life in Christ. Together we share and rejoice in the new beginnings of Jesus Christ. I think the coolest part, though, is Ephesians chapter three, verse 10. Uh, this is amazing, good news, and it's brought about through the good news, through the preaching of the gospel. But why does God do all of this? Verse 10. So that through the church, hmm, through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be na- made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is remarkable. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be now might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. It's this, this manifold wisdom of God is, is sort of this Manifold, you could also think of like multifaceted, many-sided wisdom of God. It's this understanding that God has literally been weaving together the, the story of this salvation from the beginning of time. Through all of these people, through all of these historical events, and not overriding humanity, but again, working with and in and through humanity, he is weaving together all of these stories, all of these things, through Christ and then out to the world. As Father Brian said so many weeks ago, God raises up one to bless the universal, right? This is the manifold wisdom of God. I can't even, like, I had trouble picking colleges. There were too many choices. I have trouble, you know, like, finding what cereal I should buy in the grocery store. I mean, there's, you know, like, we, we, can you imagine even trying to write a book and try to make all the through lines come together? But God is using every single person, this whole history of the world, and bringing it all together in and through Christ from which the church is born by the Spirit to display His manifold wisdom to the heavenly realms (laughs) to the heavenly realms we are remembering and proclaiming here not just to ourselves but to angels this is a transcendent space a sacred space a holy place we are holy people, transcendent people. And what God is doing through, in and through us, this church, bringing us together, and all of our new beginnings that we're going through uh, together in community is being proclaimed to the heavenly realms. And we hear this in Scripture, right? Um, we hear that angels literally have a party, sing and rejoice when a sinner repents. We hear in Hebrews that the angels would long to look into what Paul is writing to the Hebrew people they long to see we heard this even in this uh earlier that that this mystery was waiting to be revealed and people before weren't really given this access but Paul sees himself as sort of this uh, this sort of tip of the spear like gospeler that that needs to take this news everywhere because it's true I mean he's He's just been shot out of a cannon and and even chains that hold him back are his glory now. Because it's just proof that he won't stop. He won't shut up. He will keep going. This good news is so great and it's being proclaimed through the church and even to the glory of God to the heavenly realms. It's remarkable. Remarkable. It is as if we are God's prism through which he is shining his glorious light and we are reflecting it to the whole entire universe, to the whole entire spiritual realm. And we get to be a part of that. That's what you get to be a part of if you're considering Jesus today. You get to be a part of something cosmic. (laughs) If you decide to make Jesus your king and savior if we would but submit and receive his forgiveness from our sins and come out of the shame, come out of the darkness and into his glorious light. And as Christians, we get to share in this work that he's doing. And it's glorious. Ministry, I've always come to find, is really just like a front row seat of the glories of God. (laughs) You're like in the splash zone. Um, You know, this is just... You just get to see what God's doing, and it 's amazing. I think of George Mueller when I think of God uh, shining his glory through the church to the heavenly realms. You know the modern man in his day in the, the mid 19th century was uh, you know believing in industry and using children to work in their factories and and just pushing uh, profits higher and higher, more and more. Um, it was all about you know, just how far we can go, how great we can be. And here comes George Mueller, who says, uh, instead of using kids for adult gain, I'm going to take in all the orphans and not put them to work, but teach them, train them, disciple them, feed them, clothe them. And instead of trying to go for all this money and vainglory, he says, "No, I'm going to do all this, and I'm not even going to ask for a dime." Can you imagine running a nonprofit with kids and not even raising any support? Right. But over the course of George Mueller's ministry, he trained, fed, clothed discipled over 10,000 orphans with never asking for a dime. Money would just show up. Things would just happen. People heard about this. Church was mobilized. It's remarkable. It was all through prayer, all through depending upon God. And in that time, it was an utter <laughs> example of how, I wanted to say something else. It was another example of of how God is so much more powerful than the modern man. And we see this even today. God is reflecting his glory through the prism of the suffering of the Muslim people in and, and the, and the Arab world right now. In China, all of this turmoil, the government's trying to repress the Chinese Christians, and <laughs> to our rough estimates, there are at least 60 million Chinese Christians, and that's probably drastically less than there really are because there's really no reporting because it is a closed country. All this turmoil in the Middle East. I could show you pictures. This is remarkable. I was in Dubai doing a missions trip at a church. And uh, a lot, this church sent a lot of missionaries and pastors to the surrounding region. And one guy showed me pictures and sent them to me of, get this, ISIS wives... Coming across the battle lines when the, the, the war, the fighting was stopped, to come into a worship service and hear about Jesus. And I have a picture of all these Muslim women, these ISIS, the wives of the ISIS fighters, hearing about Jesus. I mean, this is, God is doing remarkable, amazing things in and through His church, displaying the manif- His manifold wisdom to the whole entire world and beyond, into the heavenly realms. That all of this is through Jesus Christ in whom we praise, our King. And so as CTR is a welcoming community, we also heard this past congregational meeting that we are going to be a community that becomes an inviting community. Right? We're going to share our life capital L with others intentionally. And that's I think, summed up really well in the words of Howard Thurman. Howard Thurman was a theologian, an author. Uh, he was the mentor for Martin Luther King Jr. And I know it's not Christmas, uh, but this is entitled The Work of Christmas, and I think it is still very fitting. He says, When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the people, to make music in the heart. Friends, we together, have the opportunity, the invitation to share in the new beginnings that Jesus Christ is bringing in this world. And I'm so thankful that we get to do it in and through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.